0: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Back in 1947, Major League Baseball established criteria for players it termed as bonus babies. Basically, if a club signed an untested rookie for a certain salary, that team was required to keep that player on its roster for two full seasons. This rule helped to balance the competitive level of the league since it would discourage the wealthier clubs from signing the best amateur players and then placing them in the minor league outposts for seasoning. It also helped to eradicate the bidding wars between clubs seeking the same player. If the team was unlikely or unwilling to keep the player on its roster for a couple of seasons, then it would be unwise to invest large sums of money on that individual. But earlier in 1947, the first bonus baby in the National Football League was signed by the Chicago Cardinals, and the activity and the secrecy behind that signing might make for an intriguing suspense novel. On this episode of When Football Was Football, we'll take a peek at the pursuit of Charlie Trippi, a wonderful halfback from the University of Georgia, who was in the sights of talent scouts from the NFL, the competing All-America Football Conference, as well as Major League Baseball. It took a bit of a special effort by Cardinals owner Charles Bidwell to not only rein in the gifted Trippy, but to also generously offer him enough money to christen Charlie as the NFL's first bonus baby. Our story today begins on January 1st of 1947 when Trippy led undefeated Georgia to a 20-10 win over North Carolina in the Sugar Bowl. Trippie thus completed a phenomenal collegiate football career for the Bulldogs. A native of Pittston, Pennsylvania, he had dreamed of playing at Fordham University, but coach Jim Crowley decided that he was too little, at just 160 pounds, to play at this level. Trippie eventually found his way to Georgia in 1941, and within a year, had gained 20 pounds in a spot in the Bulldogs' backfield. At Georgia in 1942, Trippy teamed with All-American back Frank Sinkwich as the two of them paced the team to a victory over UCLA in the Rose Bowl and a number two national ranking. By the time the 1943 season rolled around, Trippy was in the service and found himself with the third Air Force football team and even made the all-service team in 1944. Because of relaxed rules for participation in the annual college all-star football game, He also played in that event five times in 1943, 44, 45, 47, and then in 1948 with the Cardinals. Following the war, he resumed his collegiate career at Georgia, playing left halfback for Coach Wally Butts. Trippie was virtually a one-man team in 1946 as Georgia cruised through the regular season undefeated and then, as we said, knocked off North Carolina 20-10 in the Sugar Bowl. Trippy was the leading scorer in the SEC, won the Maxwell Award, and was runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. His coach Butts was duly impressed and said, Trippy was the finest boy and the greatest athlete I have had the privilege of coaching. He also was the finest defensive player I've seen and was always a team player. Everything Charlie Trippy did was with one thought in mind, and that was to win. He never did anything with the thought of promoting Trippy. And we should mention that Trippi was also an outstanding baseball player, with several major league teams eyeing his services after he hit 4.75 for the Georgia baseball team in 1946. So it seems, Charlie Trippi could name his price after his final football game in January of 1947, and there were plenty of suitors waving tons of dollars at him from both professional football and professional baseball interest. Charles Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, had first nudged his foot into the Trippy universe back in 1945. The Cardinals had selected Trippy with their first choice in the 45 draft. That's when his original college class would have graduated. In fact, Trippy mentioned Bidwell as a friend on numerous occasions during the feeding frenzy over Trippy services. In the AAFC, the New York Yankees football team had sneered the rights to Trippy as well for that league. His value was not only significant as a gifted football player, but his marquee type notoriety was sorely needed by both leagues. And then, there was the Major League Baseball teams such as the Boston Red Sox, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the New York Yankees, who publicly indicated their goal of signing Charlie Trippie. Back in Chicago, Bidwell was anxious for the 1947 season to start. With prized veterans and talented rookies on hand, Bidwell anticipated that his club would be in the thick of things for the NFL title. He had nurtured the club along during the very lean war years, but was now positioned and willing to spend some funds to acquire Trippy, whom he considered to be the hottest property coming from the collegiate ranks. With just about everyone returning from the promising 1946 squad, just a few more pieces were needed to complete the Cardinals championship roster. Never reneging on his promise to provide coach Jimmy Councilman with the horses needed to win it all, Bidwell decided to personally mine for one of the greatest jewels in NFL history to complete his dream team. As part of the strategy, Bidwell launched onto Trippy the moment the 1947 Sugar Bowl had concluded. Trippy now found himself in the right place at the right time smack-dab in the middle of a bidding war for his services between Bidwell and the New York Yankees of the All-America Football Conference. Bidwill had little love for the new league, especially when the Chicago Rockets franchise landed in Soldier Field in Chicago, giving the city three professional football teams in what was becoming a very crowded market. Bidwill also flinched when Chicago Tribune sports editor Arch Ward, who was also the founder of the new competing league, hinted that the Cardinals should seek another location, move out of town, and leave the Bears and the Rockets to battle it out in Chicago for fan support. The Rockets also stung Bidwell when the team lured a couple of his players, Bob Morrow and Lloyd Cheatham, away from the Cardinals when the bidding wars first started in January of 1946. Both leagues were zealously pursuing the incoming draftees going as far as to not publicize their draft choices in order to minimize the working knowledge of the other side. Following the 1947 Sugar Bowl, both the Yankees and the Cardinals presented substantial offers to Trippy, and the efforts of both teams to land this valuable athlete were highly publicized. Of course, there was speculation in the media over whether Trippy would accept one of the lucrative offers to play pro football, Or perhaps he would swing towards baseball and take advantage of the new rules, which would require a well-compensated rookie, which he would be, to remain on the big league roster for two seasons. On Tuesday, January 14th, things began to heat up, as baseball's Boston Red Sox revealed that Trippie would likely be that team's property if he decided to give up professional football. On that same day, Trippy visited New York and toured Yankee Stadium after learning that the New York Football Yankees and the New York Yankees of baseball fame had agreed to partner in a sizable cooperative effort to sign Trippy. By Thursday, January 16th, the New York Daily News posted the latest update in its headline, which read, "Trippy, Yanks Near Agreement," and then stating, "The Most Wanted Athlete of the Hour." All-American Charlie Trippi of Georgia is expected to sign a lucrative Yankee football-baseball contract sometime this morning. Even Trippi seemed to agree by stating, I don't think we'll have much trouble reaching an agreement. The Yankees offered me the best offer I've received, and I simply want to talk things over with my coach Wally Butts and several others. But Charles Bidwell was not done yet. Ironically, he had joined Trippi on his trip to New York, and was well appraised of all contract offers from his New York competition. It was reported that the football Yankees offered Trippy a four-year, $60,000 contract while the baseball Yankees pitched in with a two-year deal with an unspecified salary, with the two contracts thought to be worth over a combined $100,000 and an extraordinary amount in 1947. Although the combined Yankees offer was said to be higher, Trippy eventually agreed to terms with the Cardinals, as reported by the Associated Press, which said, Charlie Trippy slipped past the clutching arms of the New York Yankees football team today, stiff-armed the Yankees baseball secondary, and wound up with the Chicago Cardinals for what is known in the gridiron parlance as pay dirt. The four-year deal was in the $100,000 range and was probably the result of bidwell's personal effort to persuade trippy to join the cards after all he had performed some legal work in the past for the young player and had been receptive to trippy's request that he also be allowed to pursue his professional baseball career trippy called it later the highest offer ever given a player in pro football later trippy told the associated press that the yankees treated me very fairly I had to turn the Yankee offer down because the Cardinal offer was better for me in the long run. Behind the scenes, a different story unfolded. Out of the public eye, Bidwell literally followed Trippy around the country in his effort to sign the talented player. Cardinals president, Ray Benningson recalled that, for Bidwell, it was his greatest victory. Yet I knew every move in advance. During the time when he was carrying on his cross country dickering with Trippy. I'd hear from him five or six times a day. He'd call from New York or Florida or New Orleans. Because of this tenacity, Trippy agreed to become a member of the Cardinals before his well-publicized trip to New York. It was a big secret. As Trippy recalled, Mr. Bidwell asked me in good faith to go to New York and see what the Yanks had to offer. Coach Jimmy Councilman of the Cardinals added, Bidwill had already bagged Trippy, while Dan Toppy, the New York uh, Yankees coach, was putting on his hunting jacket and practicing bird calls. To which Trippy added, I had to find out, of course, what the All-America Conference had to offer, but basically, my heart was set on playing for Mr. Bidwill." It was great news for the Cardinals, who won the 1947 NFL title, and Trippy enjoyed a Hall of Fame career through the 1955 season. When he left the game in December of 1955, his 6,053 total yards was the best in NFL history up to that point. As for baseball, well, Trippy did manage to play one season for the Atlanta Crackers in the minor leagues, hitting a robust 334 average in 1947, but then he decided to concentrate his efforts on pro football. The sad part of our story is that the determined Charles Bidwell never saw Trippie play in a Cardinals uniform. Bidwell passed away before the 1940 season, but not before adding Trippy as the final piece that would reward the Cardinals with their last NFL championship in 1947. Thank you for listening today and we talked about the pursuit of Charlie Trippy. And please join us next time as we explore an extraordinary NFL championship game where the Chicago Bears nearly ran out of footballs. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. We at the Sports History Network are so glad to introduce to you a new addition to our lineup, Gridiron Greats Magazine podcast. It's a weekly podcast that focuses on the history and memorabilia of North American football since its inception in 1869. It's hosted by Bob Swick, the publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and Joe Squires, a longtime contributor to that magazine. The podcast was launched in 2017 and has over 150 episodes that you can listen to now on a sports history network as well as your favorite podcast provider so join bob and joe as they go through football history talking about the memorabilia and the great legendary players and games of the american gridiron on the gridiron greats magazine podcast